episode 106 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin, and joining me tonight is my co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, how's everything going this week? Good. Good. It's going really good. I've had quite quite the weekend, quite the week. So Yeah, that's what I hear. I'm, I'm excited to hear all about here in just a couple minutes, so... Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot has changed. <laughs> oh, it's exciting though. All right. So tonight we are going to discuss our second film in the Corman Poe cycle with The Pit and the Pendulum from 1961 and then move on to round 36 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge. Before that, though, let's uh, talk about social media and how you can follow us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And if you want to be part of an upcoming show, you can leave us a voicemail at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. Also, make sure you're following along on our Instagram account on Cinefessions there as well. Mark posts tons of reviews and all his media pickups, including, uh, for example, this past week, he posted all of his pictures from... Uh, his convention that he went to that I'm sure you're going to talk about soon, but definitely give that a follow if you have not already and like us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Cinefessions and check out our long list of past reviews and all 106 podcast episodes right on over at Cinefessions.com. And if you haven't already, YouTube as well, Cinefessions on YouTube. Also, if you're a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, Wherever it is that you're listening to us, leave us a review, um, specifically on iTunes. Those reviews are so important to helping any podcast grow. So we thank you uh, for leaving a review for us there. Even more importantly, though, and I kind of just thought about this uh, this past week, and I don't know why, because, well, you know, if you if you enjoy our show, the, the biggest and the best way you can help us out is simply to share our show with someone who you think might enjoy listening to us as well. Word of mouth is almost the exclusive way that I start listening to new podcasts, and I'm sure I'm not alone with that. So, you know, if my buddy tells me to listen to this episode and I do and I like it, then I'm going to subscribe and I'm going to keep listening and I'm going to tell somebody else about it. So word of mouth is huge for us. So if you like us, even just a little bit, leave us those reviews, but please tell a friend about us. Maybe they'll enjoy listening to us as well. Hey, and if they don't, then just know that you have the better taste in them anyway. So fuck them, right? Right. So, Mark, this has been a crazy week for you, I feel like. it's uh, It's been nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty much nonstop ever since I got back from Montreal. But, uh, yeah, I uh, it was pretty pretty crazy weekend. Pretty <laughs> crazy weekend. I went, uh, I went to the um, Cinema Wasteland in Strongsville, Ohio, and uh, met up with a whole bunch of friends. And I spent a lot of money it on like movies, it. <laughs> merchandise. Food, booze. Oh, it was a great time. Um, to start off, usually what happens when you go to Wasteland, at least for myself, because it's, it's an eight and a half hour drive. Um, drive down, hit the uh, hotel, drop off your gear, then you go hit the giant eagle, you get your supplies. My supplies are usually uh, beer, uh, <laughs> chocolate, uh, some potato chips, and some Gatorade. That, that's pretty much my it's, it's, it's that's my my fun fact for survival the survival guide yeah exactly like the food you'll get you know at the restaurant <laughs> but you need um you need your beer and in this case i was very lucky two things very lucky because last year this time last year 
went to the Wasteland Convention, and um, I had the Black Phillip Hard Cider from oh Blake's God, Hard Cider. Oh my God, I totally Cider remember you talking base. about that. Yeah. Yes. Well, I tried multiple times through my liquor commission in uh, Ontario and in Quebec to contact this company to get myself some more Black Phillip. No answer back from the company whatsoever. Mm. Uh, so my goal was to find some this time and bring it back to Canada. And I was lucky to find three six-packs. So I didn't touch any of them while I was in the wasteland. I'm actually having my first Black Phillip hard apple cider right now. Oh, um, nice. It's delicious. It's, it's delicious. So it took a year, but it's back down my <laughs> gullet. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and Wasteland itself was fun. Like, we were a smaller group this time. Some people couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Still had a blast. Um, Melissa came with me, and uh, we shared a room with another couple with uh, Eddie Spaghetti and his uh, partner, Aria. And, uh, yeah, it was their first convention. Uh, so they met uh, all my friends. They made some new friends. Um, I hit the dealer table pretty bad. Uh, DVD okay. Diabolique was there. I spent a few uh, a few hundo there. Um, I spent some, uh, some pretty big cash at the vinegar syndrome as well yeah. and at Severin. So yeah, I posted pictures of my, um, gets, uh, quickly, uh, this week or you'll, you know, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's already on the thread. I'm going to take an in-depth look at what I purchased. Um, once I finished going through my, um, Kino Lorber, uh, movies, uh, just because I don't want to keep. Well, first of all, I don't want to do like a week's worth of just like, this is what I bought, you know. Um, it feels kind of vain, but at the same time, it's really <laughs> cool stuff that I want to show people, right? Absolutely. So, whatever. Um, so I'm going to do that once I finish with Kino Lorber, but I wanted to still show the stacks of what I got. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I cannot wait to get my chauffeur or watch my chauffeur, the Vinegar Syndrome release of that. It's going to be so 80s good. I cannot wait. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so if you want to see what I bought, uh, you can see quickly uh, the stacks, and you'll be able to make out uh, the names, like you know, hot tub. Uh, what was that? One of it was like an '80s Kim King hot tub movie, which I just can't wait to watch as well. Anyways, long story short, I bought a lot of gear, bought some T-shirts. Oh, a T-shirt I bought, a picture of Wolfram Brimley. It's a black T-shirt, picture of Wolfram Brimley in white, and then on the T-shirt it says "Eat shit and diabetes." <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking amazing. I can't, I can't uh, wait to wear that. I, you know, it'll be limited where I can wear it just because, you know, there's a swear <laughs> on it. But uh, I got a kick out of that. So, of course, I have to pick it up. Um, yeah. So, um, I met a few stars, got some posters signed. I saw Tom Atkins again. And I got a Night of the Creeps poster, which by the time this comes out, I'll have pictures out on the, on Instagram. Um, I met uh, Veronica Hart. And I got my Seduction of Cindy poster which is a uh, uh, golden age era uh, porno. Mm-hmm. Um, I met uh, Linda Quigley again, and I got a night of the, li- pardon me, Return of the Living Dead, and the uh, the Sorority Babes in the Slam Ball Bolorama poster signed. So I got Linda to sign that um, Slam Ball poster, as well as Brink Stevens, uh, which I'd met for the first time, which is awesome, because now I've met all three like original gangsta uh, scream queens. Which hmm. blows me away. I met That's Michelle awesome. Bauer uh, a few a uh, few uh, events ago, and uh, I met the director David Dakota, who uh, apparently uh, lived in Winnipeg, which I wasn't aware of. But now that 
I read that, uh, it kind of makes sense because I'm sure he looked familiar to me and I'm sure I saw his picture in the paper before, but yeah, so that was really cool. Um, and, uh, then on Saturday night, we went to, uh, a, uh, Lucha themed restaurant, which we've been before. Okay. And, uh, everybody's sitting down and then, uh, Melissa, she stands up, starts talking (laughs) and, uh, she proposed to me. (laughs) <laughs> I fucking love it. So, so yeah, um so I am now engaged to uh, Melissa, which is yes. awesome. Congratulations, and, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, no, oh, of course I was speechless. And it was also about three jello shots in and three beers in because I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. So I was getting slightly day drunk at the time because they were yeah. gone thrifting with a few other people. I stayed back to get my autographs and then had a few brewskis. <laughs> um, big surf beer, delicious. Anyway, sidebar. Um, so what she did because one of my favorite movies is Frankenhooker. Yes, she made a poster with uh, Eddie Spaghetti. Um, it was a Franken uh, ho- uh, Hooker inspired uh, wedding proposal. Um, <laughs> it had Frankenhooker, but with her face, and then Jeffrey as a doctor, but with my face. And then instead of the Frankenhooker name, it said Franken Fiance. So then she sent a poster. Um, I haven't signed it yet. Uh, I said yes, but I just, I just, I was, I was in awe of all yeah, this, like right. not expecting it. Um, and yeah, in front of all our friends there. So it was pretty fucking cool. Um, That's we're awesome. not really jewelry people. So you okay. know, the poster, I'm going to, I'm going to sign it. And we're going to get it framed, and we're going to put it somewhere, and I'll have a picture of that eventually as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I was completely floored. And, uh, yeah, and then um, Saturday night happened. We had a party. We played some drunken Uno on the floor of the hotel, which was awesome. And then Sunday afternoon, uh, we left, and I got back home at, like, I was in bed by midnight, and then had to get up at 4 in the morning <laughs> yesterday, which is Jeez. Monday, because we're recording on Tuesday. And, uh, uh, yeah, wow. then I worked two 12-hour shifts, and now here we are. So, a little tired, a little tired, <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. yeah, it was a pretty awesome weekend. One of my favorite awesome. wastelands, uh, minus a few people missing, which sucks. Right. But uh, we had a blast, and I spent so much money. Oh. <laughs> But this is all pre-engagement, so it's still my money. Now it's our right. money. So I got to start yeah, exactly. hiding things, you know. Yeah. Oh man, but, that's all right. Uh, you took that took that month off from the podcast specifically for that, so you're fine, I'm sure. Pretty much, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what happened. Right. But, uh, yeah. So it's it's all good. It is all good. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then uh, apart from uh, apart from our uh, I guess adventure this weekend, mm-hmm. I was able to cram in a few movies. Before the trip uh, ended, or the, before the trip started, I should say. Yeah. Um. So I rewatched uh, Halloween three season of the witch. I need to uh, rewatch that one. Uh, you know, it's good. I like it a lot. I can appreciate it for it. what it is. Mm-hmm. Unless I didn't like it so much, but oh, I did. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to watch another Atkins film just because I was going to meet him that weekend. Right. Even though I'd already seen it before, but it's such a good film. Um. So I watched season of the witch. Um. A few for the uh, for the. Uh, Alpha the Zoo to the Alpha Challenge. And since I'll mention them just because I don't have that many to, to go through this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I watched 1988's Tequila Sunrise with uh, Kurt Russell, Mel Gibson, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I guess it's it could be classified as an erotic thriller. 
even though it wasn't that erotic, but there was a sex scene, like in the shadows, or with a saxophone. So I think you saw some Michelle Pfeiffer, like, shadow boob, but not actually <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer boob. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was okay. It wasn't the greatest. Um, one film that I really liked that I watched on a night shift at work, I saw it on Netflix called The Bronze. And it stars, um, you know, the girl who plays Claudette on a Big Bad Theory, or probably Bernadette. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the blonde, the, the really cute blonde. Um, looking at what her name is here, uh, Melissa Roche. So she plays, um, I guess, a 20 something former U.S. gymnast who won the bronze medal back in her heyday. And she can't escape living in the past and can't move on with her life. And she mm-hmm. gets charged, or probably I wouldn't say charged, but she gets thrown into coaching the next up-and-coming thing from the same hometown. And she doesn't like that somebody else might be better than her. It is so funny. It is hilarious. It's a Duplay brother movies, like Mark Duplay and um, and his brother. I forget what his name is. Anyways, well, he didn't direct it, but they wrote it. Um, anyways, whatever. Um, it, it's funny. It's really funny. Uh, it's it's raunchy, which I didn't expect. Um, I really dug it. So that's from 2015. Um, I also watched 1988's Talk Radio, which uh, I oh, didn't know Mammoth? was an Oliver Stone movie. No, it's Oliver Stone. Um, it, oh, it could be. Could it be Mammoth? Um, Written by, right? I'm no. looking right now. Oh, Crew. Bogosian. I'm sorry. Okay, that's yeah. who made the play with Bogosian. Okay, Eric Bogosian. Ah, okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Bogosian, uh, Stone had a, a part in the uh, script. Um, a Stefan Singular. Anyways, it's pretty much... It seems to be more of a, like an, a dramatic version of Private Parts. You know, the Howard Stern movie? Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a, a talk host or talk radio uh, host who, by the more outlandish stuff he says, the more hate he gets. And it's starting to spill in his real life, not only his professional life, and it starts getting at him. Um, and he starts losing it a bit. It's it's not at all what I expected, uh, but I thought it was really good. And Bogosian is such a good actor, who really isn't, like, I can't really think of anything apart from uh, Under Siege 2 that he was in, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I don't yeah. have the MDB right in front of me here. You know, uh, I know but, him uh, as uh, the playwright because um, I've done a lot of monologues for him for different things. And I remember specifically okay. one time, I didn't know how to say his name. And so I emailed him just on this. I don't know how the fuck I got his email. I, I, it was This was back in undergrad, so a decade yeah. or more ago. Um, and uh, I emailed and he actually emailed me back on how to pronounce it. I don't remember what the fuck nope. it was now. So I, I say Bogosian now. Um, and I feel like that's right. But I was I wasn't sure okay. if it was like Bogosian or what, and so. But he emailed me back. He was he was a really cool guy, really nice guy, and so uh, that's how I know him. Um, but I do know that he does have some uh, you know film under his belt as well, and he does a lot of screenwriting as well. But see, I don't know that. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, he was he was a really cool guy. Just yeah. this random well, fucking college guy emailing him, and he replied. So I mean, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. nice. But and and that was and that was a really cool movie. I really dug it. Um, it's very tense at points. Um, it's really interesting. So I will recommend that one as well. Um, and then the only one other one apart from our subject matter this weekend or this episode, I should say, is Victoria from 2015. And this was a selection at Fantastic Fest back in 2015. 
Mm-hmm. It's a German film, um, but it's partially English. But there's Eng- uh, but it's half German, half English, and it's a two hour and fifty minute film. That's one long take. So it is. Oh, really? One, yeah. So the, the it's one scene, one take. That's your film, and it's about a girl who's from Spain but moved to Berlin, and uh, she meets up with these dudes, and pretty much that it just follows her that night. So it's in real time because the movie is two hours and fifty minutes long, and it's a one take. Um, man, it's hard to really describe the movie just because it's not a horror film. I would say it's more of a crime film, but like you meet these guys right off the bat and they seem so sleazy and you're really afraid for Victoria's safety. And then things just progress further down the rabbit hole. And I don't want to ruin anything, but it's an interesting film. Um, Is it something I'd watch over and over again? No, but as an experiment for having a one take film, I thought it was really well done. Um, yeah, I've said it a hundred times on the podcast. I just get such a, a hard on for long takes. And so like anything like this, I, this is immediately going on my watch list because I've not heard of it. So I'm definitely adding this now, but yeah, it sounds amazing. Uh, it's, it's on the net. Is it on Netflix right now? I, I have the Blu-ray because I bought it just because I, I knew the okay. film played in Fantastic Fest and up until, you know, the recent, uh, you know, issues with, uh, Alamo Draft House, I'm a big fan of what they put out. <laughs> Um, yeah. So this is not a draft house film, but it just it, it played. It got selected for the festival, so to me, it's like two thumbs up right off the bat. Um, yeah, so I would I would suggest if you like that kind of stuff, check it out. You you'll probably like it. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it, but uh, again, nice social uh, film experiments. So it was pretty cool. Awesome. Um, and apart from that, that's that's all for me. Very cool. Well, I actually, I spent uh, the last week off from work, thank goodness, and uh, actually did quite a bit. So I have something interesting to talk about besides Madden 18 this week. So that's pretty, I'm pretty excited about that. But um, yeah, yes. first though, let me do talk about Madden 18 only because I want to pimp some of my uh, YouTube work that I posted this week. So if you haven't checked it out yet and you happen to have an interest in sports video games, I did post my review of Madden 18's long shot mode uh, over on YouTube. So definitely give that a view if you haven't already. And do me a favor, like we said earlier, share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it as well. Um, so that's my my pimping of that for, for today. But aside from that, um, I actually didn't play much Madden at all this past week, believe it or not. I, uh, I, I started some NHL 17 again, um, which that has just gone horribly wrong um, with my Red Wings rebuilding franchise, <laughs> it's not it's not going well at all. I'm probably going to get fired. I'm entering my third year now. Um, I've basically just been simming the seasons and trying to build the team, you know, uh, dealing with that side of things as opposed to actually playing the games. Um, and okay. I'm in my third season now, and uh, it's it's just doing I'm doing really poorly. I haven't made the playoffs Is it in my first. Because you don't have enough season. Canadians on the team. I see. Uh, that that might be the players, issue. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Don Sherry. That could be the issue. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so um, not much to talk about there. But uh, sticking with gaming a little bit, uh, one thing I want to note. So remember when I did my unboxing for the Retro Engine Sigma, Mark? Do you remember that? And the uh, the controller was broken? Yep. Okay. Well, they sent me a new one, and uh, that was about 
maybe two or three weeks ago, I got the uh, the new one. Well, I actually got a second second one this past week for some reason. So I don't know. Something may have happened really? where they, yeah, where they like just made a mistake or something and thought I, or whatever reason, didn't think they sent me out the first one. So you know, good on them. They were following up in case they messed up, and uh, you know, good for them. So they sent me two. Yeah. So I have two Genesis controllers now, which is awesome because you know, who cares? You know, I haven't I haven't actually touched my retro engine Sigma, but I do have these two controllers, and they're USB, so I can use my computer with a Genesis emulator if I wanted to, and so on and so forth. So I thought that was pretty cool, but. Out of curiosity, have you messed with yours yet? You probably haven't had a chance yet, have you? No, I haven't had a chance yet. It's all in the box right now. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping, you know, my next day's off. I got five days off in a row uh, as of Friday morning when the podcast drops. Nice. So I'm hoping I'll be able to spend some time with it or just do some video gaming in general because right. I've barely touched gaming apart from my Switch a bit in okay. a long time. So Gotcha. I want to I get back into it this, uh, this fall. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, so uh, sticking with video game, I did start playing um, Grand, Grand Theft Auto 3 uh, again this past week. I picked okay. it up on the PlayStation 4, like with the PS2 as a PS2 classic. Um, the trilogy was on sale. So 3 Vice City and San Andreas was on sale maybe, I don't know, six months ago. And I started playing maybe uh, an hour or two back then. And I just didn't pick it back okay. up for whatever reason. But um, this past week, I did, I played a good portion of it. I want to say I'm probably about halfway through the game now, maybe. Um, but it's just it's just a damn fun game, no matter how you cut it. Um, I'm hoping that I'm going to beat that one in the next week or two, depending on how much time I put into it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I loved that game when it was released. I beat it way back when, but I haven't beaten it again since. And so I just wanted to try playing it again, and uh, I'm having a great time with it. Uh, you know, the graphics hold up pretty damn well for a PS2 game. Um, I, I'm a huge PS2 fan anyway, as I've mentioned before, so I don't really mind the graphics um, from that era at all still. I think they still look pretty decent. But, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to play through 3, and then Vice City, and then San Andreas, and then move on to 4, and finally get back into 5. Uh, GTA 5, I absolutely loved. I played through probably over well maybe half the game maybe a little bit more than half the game on my 360 and then yeah. it came out on the the current gen now current gen systems and so i uh, stopped playing it there waited for it to come out and then purchased it on xbox one because i thought i could transfer the save over but it turns out that's not the case um or yeah. you could but you had to do it like through your online from the old system and I didn't have the disc anymore. I don't, something weird was, something was funky. And so I wasn't able to transfer my save over. And so, um, I just never really dove back into it on Xbox one ever since I bought it, but mm-hmm. that will be a good excuse. If I'm able to get through all these and then get to it, um, that'd be a lot of fun to, to play through again. So, um, but you that's, know, it's funny. I did the same thing because I bought it for the okay. PS three and then mm-hmm. I rebought it for the PS four again. It was that much fun, but yeah. I still like four better than five. I think. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, I, I like four a lot. I've been hearing that, and that's why I actually went out and bought four relatively recently, like probably within the past four or five, six months now. Uh, but I have okay. not actually sat down and played it yet. Um, and when it came out, I honestly don't remember playing it too much. Like I'm sure I did, but it was probably during a time when I was, you know, doing a million other things and in school and yeah. blah blah blah. And so I didn't uh, get as much time to commit to it as I would have liked. And so mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, hopefully I'll enjoy it just as much as everybody else seems to when I get well, to you it. You should revisit Red Dead Redemption before the sequel comes out. That I know. That's another one I really want to as well because I've only played like 10 minutes of that game 
and oh, just never oh, picked it back up for whatever reason. So I, I, I own yeah, it it's, and it's at the top. I got to do it's it. It's really good. And apparently the prequel or pardon me, the sequel will be a prequel to the story. Oh, I just saw okay. it today, actually. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've not watched the trailer just because I don't want anything ruined from the first one. And so I've yeah. kind of held out on that. But yeah. So then movies. I know you've watched like a shit ton of movies last time. Um, and I don't have quite as many, but for me, I, I have a lot for myself. Okay. So, um, I don't know how I want to go about these. I want, I guess I'll talk about most of these, um, kind of in my order of watching them. So the first one I watched was, um, I, I did some red box renting this, this week while I was off. Um, so I watched get yeah. out, um, which yeah. I, I know you've talked about that one in the past. Uh, you know, it's, it's the, the black man dating the white girl and the white girl takes her out, takes him out to meet his fam, her family for the first time. And, mm-hmm. uh, basically the, the dude th- can feel that something's wrong. Something's different here where they live. And, uh, it's, I, I liked it a, a good amount. Um, I liked it thinking back. I liked it. I like it. I feel like I liked it more than when it finished what I thought I liked it then. Does that make sense? Okay. I think yeah, I, it does. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, right when it was finished, I was like, Hmm, that was pretty good, but not as good as I thought it was going to be. But now thinking back on it as time kind of time has passed since I've watched it, I actually yep. find myself thinking about it more and appreciating it more. Like I really enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, but uh, I think I, I definitely want to, I want definitely want to give it another viewing just because I, I think it's really well acted. The story is interesting as fuck. Um, it's almost like, you know, they're going to, they want to talk about some of these, uh, you know, some like, genuine things that are affecting our country right now you know uh are just mm-hmm. affecting our world right now with you know race issues and things like that but that's not really what it is uh it is but it's it's definitely more than that and i think that's what makes it so interesting um that message is definitely there but there's so much more to it and i think that's what makes it really worth watching um yeah. and i just i found it you know i was laughing at at various points just because there are some really funny moments in it um, like the best friend character, I think was excellent. Yeah, he was I really awesome. liked him. Um, and then you and I were kind of uh, messaging back and forth after I watched it, and um, I, you know, it kind of plays out how I would expect it to play out. But then thinking more about it, the ending, I guess, kind of did not go in the exact way I expected it to go. Um, there's just there's more to it than meets the eye and i think it's it's definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it, it you know definitely give it a rental if nothing else it was on sale for like 10 bucks a couple of days ago um it might still be for 10 bucks on amazon and i would definitely say it's worth it for that price but mm-hmm. i ended up giving well, that totally one three is. stars yeah you can you can find yeah. it pretty cheap right now and it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those social commentary yeah. movies that's really yep. deserves a second and third watch which i haven't done yet yeah absolutely uh, next up, I fi- Brent is going to be fucking ecstatic to hear this. I finally watched The Belko Experiment, which he ah. uh, sent me a link to back when the trailer released. Man, had to be over a year ago now. Um, but that this one, so basically what this is, is this uh, group, this, um, what the hell am I trying to say? Uh, this office building, uh, the Belko company, I guess, whatever, all these workers get locked into this building. And they have so much, basically they have to kill each other until there's only, you know, so many people remaining as the announcer puts over the uh, loudspeaker system. And um, this one too, I liked it. 
I didn't love it. I ended up giving this one two and a half stars. Uh, like the action is really good, but the story I felt was uh, just a little lacking from what I was hoping it would be. Um, and the ending, you know, I didn't need it to be cleared up for me, I guess, or spelled out for me. But I, I feel like I would have appreciated if there was just more to it, I guess. Okay. I don't know. What were you? What did you think about this one? Well, I, I found the mo- the movie a lot of fun. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, the, I would agree. It was is, definitely. Fun. It builds up to a, it builds up to a point where how does the film end? Where it's going to be satisfying? And it usually films of this nature don't. You know, like mm-hmm. the fun is the, the is like the trip there, but once you get to the destination, it it kind of falls apart. And yeah. I feel this kind of was that. But since the cast is so much fun and it's a lot of character actors and lesser known names, you know, but recognizable faces, I just, I just dug the hell out of it. So I like it a lot, but the ending has a little to be left to the, to your imagination. Like it just wasn't that, the ending didn't satisfy me completely, but you know, it's like you went for a meal, everything was good except for dessert. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I will say one thing. It, You've seen the Miss, right? The movie, yes, yes. Uh, you know the, the the character. I she's such a famous actress, and I I just can't think of her name right now without looking it up. But she plays like the religious zealot in that film. Yeah, isn't that uh, Ellis uh, from uh, from Star Trek and from? Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yes, and from Ghost Story, Alex yes. or Alice. Uh, anyways, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Her, okay, I absolutely hated that character and this film Belkoshmer did a good job of making me absolutely hate some of the characters as you're supposed to I think yeah um and so I think that character those characterizations were really well done and I loved our main character Mm -hmm. um but again it just seemed like there was more going on with him than they revealed I guess um but yeah so that was Belkoshmer I gave that one two and a half stars um 47 meters down have you seen this one the shark movie no, I haven't yet. Okay. I think uh, I might own it. I, I don't oh, okay. know. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say it's worth a watch. I gave this one two and a half stars as well. Um, this one, it's basically like two sisters are, you know, visiting Mexico or something, I think. I might okay. be mixing up my shark movies. but um, And they go down in this cage to see sharks, you know, you know those cages, while the thing breaks and they are stuck in the bottom 47 meters down, hence the name of the title. Uh, and hence the name of the movie. And so basically they're trying to survive. So it's one of these stuck in trying to survive movies, you know. Okay. A trapped movie, if you will. Yeah. Um, I liked this one. I didn't love it again. Just the characters I didn't really like. Uh, Mandy Moore is one of the stars and I just find her annoying. Um, I just didn't like her. But um, the shark effects I thought were actually quite well done it they looked realistic to me it looked real and i like that um won't say anything else more about that since you've not seen that one but um yeah it's definitely worth a watch if you if you do own it um i'm gonna come back to these ones there's this random ass movie i was i put on amazon instant uh amazon instant video app on my uh, ps4 and was like "Hmm, let's search see what we got here and i came Mm -hmm. across this this film called the phoenix tapes 97 and the okay. description was something about, you know, uh, it was it's a found footage film. This is the footage that was left and, uh, you know, from the Phoenix incident that happened, obviously, in 1997. 
and um, yada, yada, yada. So I looked this up. I was like, hmm, what is this? And it was only like an hour and two minutes long or something. It was really short. And I looked it up. I could not find it on IMDb. Um, it was on Letterboxd, but I couldn't find it on IMDb for some reason. And um, I was looking at this, and apparently this this Phoenix incident is actually something that happened. Um, back in 97, there was these lights in Phoenix would be my assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and so, you know, is it, was it aliens? Was it, what was it type of thing? And, yeah. uh, reading more on it, there were actually four, four guys that went missing. And so this is kind of a, uh, movie about those four guys that went missing. Now it doesn't use their same names or their likenesses, but, you know, and it's presented as a found footage film, but it's about those those missing those missing men who apparently still have not been found, according to the little bit of research that I did. And so I thought that was fascinating. So I was like, you know what? Let, let's watch this, see what it is. It's only okay. fucking an hour long, so who cares if it's not very good? Yeah. And um, I just I I love found footage movies. Like I I am in such a minority there, but I enjoy found footage movies, especially when they're done solidly. Like I thought Phoenix Tapes '97 was. Now this isn't a fantastic movie, and a lot of people probably aren't going to like it. Um, you know, I, I only gave it two. I gave it two and a half stars. Um, but still, if you like found footage films, I think this one is worth worth watching, especially because it is so short. Um, and it's available okay. free if you have Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime in the states, I'm not sure about Canada, but yeah, you know, it's interesting. Basically, it's these guys coming in, having an encounter with something, and they yeah. don't know what it is uh, when they're on this trip. And and the guys, you know, you'll get a, like yeah, they're bros, but like they were actually like g- good people to spend time with. They were people that I, I liked spending time with. Um, it wasn't like just dude bros being dude bros, you know. It was yeah. there was actually you know some emotion and and different characteristics there that I liked. So that one I would recommend as well. Um, it's again available on Amazon Instant Prime, uh, Amazon Instant Video. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend paying for it just because I feel like. It's going to be very divisive on whether you liked it or not, but okay. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I watched Moana for the first time, the Disney film, just because my wife is utterly obsessed with the soundtrack. And so <laughs> I finally watched that. Really liked that one. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and I think he does a really good care, uh, really good job as Maui in this. Gave that one three and a half stars. Um, the only real negative thing I could say about it was that it just falls in. It feels like very much so a Disney movie. Okay. Um, you know, the... Uh, the the main character, you know, I want to do this. The the father figure or mother figure saying no, you can't, and then yes, I want to. No, you can't. I'm going to, and then disappearing, and then saving the or world or saving whatever it is they want to do. You know, it's it's very yeah, very Disney. But okay. that's all right. Um, I watched the Cabinet of Do- Dr. Caligari for the first really? time. Okay, I actually started that yesterday, and f- I fell ended up falling asleep. It's a silent film. You'll have to excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finished watching it today. Have you seen this before? Oh, man, a long time ago. Like, okay. Over and I'm, talk- I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking the original, obviously, um, yeah. from the 20s. But, um, you know, I admire it as a classic. I can see why it's an important film and definitely one that you should see if you are a fan of this genre. Um, mm-hmm. The way the expressionist painting, uh, the the matte backdrops um the mood the lighting everything is done really well um it it just for me it just didn't grab me like it probably did someone that watched it for the first time knew 
almost a hundred years ago, you know, and that's, yeah. there's nothing I can do about that. It's, you know, I watched this right after I watched the Hills run red, which is just fucking like over the top gore and crazy. You know, it's just, that's what I'm used to now as opposed to, you know, a silent from, from the 1920s. So it's just different. Um, I give that one two and a half stars again, respect it absolutely for what it is. I'm, I'm very proud to have the Mondo poster up in my dining room. I, I actually got the poster of my first Mondo poster. I actually got it before I'd seen the film, obviously, yeah. because the poster is absolutely beautiful. Um, and watching the film, I can appreciate the poster even more because it's definitely from the same ilk, you know, uh, from that same style. And so I definitely appreciated that. But Okay. Hills Run Red. Have you seen that one? It's kind of a low budget uh, no. slasher torture not torture porn but like just a gory it's, movie okay it sounds asylum to me is it an asylum film you know honestly i thought it was when i put it on um but i don't but when i actually started it i realized it was not um okay and it's it's much better than virtually any asylum and you know i've spent plenty of time with asylum i enjoy asylum films um and so not to speak badly about asylum films but i think it's better than well, any asylum uh, uh, film i've seen I'll speak badly about asylum films. I, I, I know no you will. I know you will. But this one from 2009, uh, basically, see, I, I just really love the idea. So like this, this horror fan is trying to track down this movie called The Hills Run Red. And um, it's by this director who, this was like the only movie he made. And then he didn't finish, or he finished it, but then it like, went out for a very short amount of time in theaters and only like a handful of people saw it. And then it got pulled from all theaters because it was deemed like um, morally, you know, irresponsible to show. And so they take it out of theaters and then it just disappeared. And then the director disappeared. Um, And so he's, and like, there's no information about it. And so he's determined because he's this huge horror fan that he wants to figure out what's gone on with this movie he wants to most importantly he wants to see this film because he's heard so much about it and only so few people have seen it he wants to be one of those people well he gets this lead from one of his friends and he tracks down the uh director's daughter who was a little girl at the time when the movie was made and um she was actually in the movie and so he goes in and meets her who this is played by this um australian like model slash actress named sophie monk um And she is just so gorgeous. Like, she's so smoking hot. And um, there is so much gore. And there's a lot of nudity, especially in the beginning of the film. Um, I This, to me, was exactly the type of movie I was hoping it was going to be. Okay. Um, if you think too hard, if you think too hard about the story, it unravels a little bit. It's, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense, but... I didn't care. I was with it 100%. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the acting was pretty decent. Uh, the main the main character's best friend was definitely high. He's, he's got to be from uh, like uh, the other side of the pond because he was definitely hiding an English accent of some sort. Okay. Um, and that crept up quite a bit. And that always pulls me out. I That bugs me. Um, but definitely not a, a movie killer by any stretch. But this one, I definitely recommend this. I'm so glad I bought it. I actually, I have the DVD only and I bought it for super cheap from my uh, disc replay store uh, and it was absolutely worth it. It's just so bloody and gory and so much. There's a lot of nudity, like I said. It just makes it fun. Like it's exactly the type of movie I like to watch and it's short. It's like 81 minutes. So, I mean, it's it's worth it. If you have not seen it, I definitely recommend it if you like that type of film. Um 
and just again just kind of if you can let the story go you know if you can forgive the story then you'll i think you'll have a good time with it yeah, I'm, but mark especially i think you i think you'll enjoy it i'm looking at the hills run red right now like the i guess the poster art if you want to call it that and yeah it screams asylum it screams you know a ripoff of I know. Uh, the hills of eyes remake mm-hmm. but it says, oh, oh yeah it's run. very in that ilk yeah it's it's very in that ilk but hmm. i i think i think you'll enjoy it i don't know how you'd watch it because I'm not sure if it's available streaming anywhere because I've never seen it that way. But if you if you run across it and you can find it for like three bucks or something on DVD, I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, well, I, I'm, the, as per your recommendation, I'm going to check it out. And I'm looking at Sophie yeah, Monk absolutely. right now. And uh, she looks familiar. I just don't know where I saw her before. Yeah, she, you you might know her. She did, she's done actually a lot of like reality TV shit. But it looked like most of it was uh, like Australian reality TV which is strange but um yeah she is uh she's she's a very very gorgeous actress yeah um okay next up the uh the shallows did you see that shark movie Uh, you know that one i do own but i have not seen it yet okay that one um speaking of beautiful actresses uh blake lively is absolutely stunning in this i didn't like this movie as much as i liked 47 meters down um i just didn't buy into it as much as i bought into 47 meters okay. um and i guess i'll leave it there but i am definitely interested to hear your take on it i know uh, i was talking with chris about both of them he actually watched both uh, 47 meters down recently as well um and he's seen the shell he likes the shallows better where i liked 47 meters down better so on the i'm interested to see where you where you fall say again i'm on sorry the tiebreaker oh yeah you're the tiebreaker yes cool. exactly i love deadlocks so absolutely only a couple more here uh I think you've seen this one. I think you liked it. Life from 2017, 20, I think it was earlier yes, this year. Yes, it was. It's not the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence film from 97 or 98. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I no, really the sci-fi liked. one. Yeah, I dug it a lot. I did too. Yeah. Thank you. Good. I'm glad because uh, I have not heard a ton of great things about it, but I thought it was really, really good. I gave this one three and a half stars. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. The it was It was basically... So I went to watch um, Alien Covenant, okay. but the uh, copy I had wasn't working. And so I was like so pissed. I was like, damn it. Like I finally sit down to watch this movie and it's not working. Yeah. It was one I rented. And so I was like, okay, let's put life on instead. And it was exactly what I was hoping for. It's very in that vein of Alien. And one thing I loved about it, the opening – uh, in the opening, when the when the life comes across a screen, it's I don't know if it is, but it reminded me very much of the exact same font as Alien, the original Alien. Okay. Um, very straight lines, um, cold, bleak. Yeah. I don't it it like I want to see the Alien and Life like title shot ba- side by side because it is remarkably oh, similar. Sure. And this this could definitely be a new like franchise in that. Uh, you know, similar vein. I want to see a sequel to this so fucking badly, especially how it ends. Oh my God, I want to see the next movie. But I've heard it didn't do very well in theaters, so it might not get another one. But oh man, I would love to see another one. I'm hoping that the uh, the sequel is going to get called Venom. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) I'm trying to get it and I don't get it. Well, there's rumors saying that... um, Life was a prequel to the next Venom movie by Marvel or by Sony because of what happens at the oh, end. Oh, really? Th- that was the rumor. It's probably not true. I don't think it is true. But it's funny to 
you know. Oh man! Yes, I'm like, oh maybe that would be, be the fucking fascinating. It would be pretty sweet. I would enjoy it. Huh? Interesting. Well, that's that's cool. The I didn't hear that. I guess so. That's interesting to know. Did you watch? You probably didn't because it's relatively new on Netflix. But did you watch Gerald's Game yet? No, I haven't had a chance to. It's added to my list, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. Okay. I don't want to talk about that one then because I'm sure you will watch it. So I'm not going to talk too much about that one. Um, in fact, I won't even give my star ring because I want you to see it. I don't want to. I just want you to see it. I have heard good things about it so far. So I'm hoping it is good. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with the book too, too much. I started reading it and I got bored. Maybe that's a bad, a bad okay. thing. Okay. Um, because apparently it is a well-respected book. But it just <laughs> never grabbed me, so... Well, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard that the move and I've not met, read the book, so I don't know, but I've heard that the book is a pretty faithful representation. I'm sorry, that the movie is a pretty faithful representation of the book. Um, and so take that for what you will. Yeah. Well, uh, whether that's a good or bad thing, I guess. is to Well, the way you see it again, it did play at Fantastic Fest, so it had to be pretty decent for that uh, to occur. So I'm, I'm, I have good, I'm okay. hoping for good things. I just have to sit down and watch it. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that whenever yeah. you get to but so the last ones i want to talk about so i finally used my movie oh, pass really and it worked okay yes i was very happy to have used it i only used it once this whole week off but i finally used it so i'm happy with myself um but i used it to see it the new uh-huh. one in theaters so let me just lay it out for you here i have okay. never read the book and i've only seen parts of the original miniseries but actually so, and that, okay, so yeah, so I'll say that. So, the, the, I watched the 2017 It, and then I watched, right, we went home, I think I watched something in between, and then we watched the 1990 okay. It, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen King's It, you know, the miniseries. Um, I still haven't read the book. The book is obnoxiously long. I do have it out. I finally found it out of storage, and so I uh, am hoping to read it, just because I'm interested yeah. how it compares, but I have not started it yet. But anyway... So as I was watching the 1990 version, I realized that I saw most of that movie um, throughout the years, just like piecing it together, but I never from beginning to end. But for me, and I know you saw this, you talked about this last week, um, and I, we won't give any spoilers or anything, but I th- I do I wouldn't mind talking about it a little bit. Um, for me, 2017 it, version is significantly better than the 1990 okay. version. Have you seen uh, the 1990 version at all? A long time ago. Like, okay. it actually aired on TV when I saw it. So it's oh, been a gotcha, long time. Yeah. I well, do yeah, own it on DVD, it's, it's, but I haven't, well, yeah. I haven't pulled it out in a long time. Okay. Yeah. I actually recently, because it came out on Blu-ray, not too terribly long ago. So that's how I own it is on the Blu-ray of it. But okay. um, yeah, this, the original miniseries, it, you know, it packs in basically what's going to be it chapter one and it chapter two. Uh, from the you know 2017 and 20 probably 19 is what I was hearing. Yeah, um, it packs it into like a three hour miniseries, and um, it just it felt like they were glossing over so much compared mm-hmm. to what I saw in the 2017 theatrical it. Um, and I just I really liked the 2017 it. Um, I, I I'm giving it three stars, which might might even be low when I watch it again. I feel like that might go up a little bit. But what I loved most about it. Yeah was the characters. I thought Pennywise was kind of secondary to how great and how important these characters were. I love the kids and I love that they said it in the 80s. Um, There was just so much to enjoy there. And it just felt very... I was listening to a podcast earlier that was talking about it. 
And they said, you know, make mention of how a lot of things nowadays are kind of shoving the fact that, hey, we're in the 80s. They're shoving it down your throat. They didn't yeah. say it, but I think they were specifically meant, uh, referring to Stranger Things, oh, which sure. I love Stranger Things. And I don't, you know, but this one, it felt more authentic is, is the word they use. So I'll just steal that. That was the How Is This Movie podcast, which is fantastic if you haven't listened to it. But um, and I can definitely see that because it, it wasn't shoving the fact that it was the 1980s down your throat, but they did have different little little things like in the on the marquee theater marquees there was batman um there was um i forget some of the other movies I saw up there but uh, they have a, a nightmare on elm street five poster which came out around that time like yeah. all these little things that just it makes you feel like it's from the 80s you know and i love that about it um but the uh what's his name richie the talker of the group the oh my god i just thought he was so fucking funny yeah, I, I I don't know. I just didn't have the same sentiment. I, I thought the one kid was vulgar, and he didn't have to be. I don't know. It just it just seemed kind of out of place. Um, like now that you've seen it, we can kind of talk about it a bit more. But like, I really love the bathroom mm-hmm. scene, which I I'm sure yes. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I hated Pennywise how his eyes were CGI'd and. He was oh, I liked so, it. It worked for me. Oh, see, I thought it was too cartoony and it didn't blend in with the real world at all. Um, I didn't like, uh, well, he was used a lot. He was over, he was seen too much. Um, I didn't like the scene where they're all in their underwear. I didn't like the, the bullies because they were so vicious. That's one thing I hated. So, and that's, uh, I'll talk about the bullies in one second, but the underwear scene, I remember you mentioning that, you know, that it just felt kind of, skeezy to you i think was the word you used it did yeah and uh f- you know it, i didn't get that it, just, it felt very innocent to me okay um that i didn't get that feeling but watch uh, uh okay i'm not gonna talk about it no i didn't get it in this movie um but yeah but it's interesting that you mentioned that um but i thought because i thought it was just i thought it was handled respectfully i guess okay. would be the word i would use sure. I, I don't know um and it just, I don't know, it was making me laugh. Like when, when the, the boys are all just sitting there and then the one girl in the group and they're staring at the girl. I mean, that's, it just felt so genuine. Like, you know, if I was that little boy at that, you know, time, that's exactly what I would be doing. Um, it just, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like it was done in a, in a nasty way, I guess. No, it wasn't nasty. I just thought it wasn't necessary, but I guess that's a way for them to bond, I suppose. And I guess it makes yeah, for the, right. for the lack of the third acts, you know, get together with everybody together. You know what I mean? Um, but they're getting to I, I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I, I don't know. It, the story itself, to be honest, isn't that great to begin with. And I just wasn't in love with the story, which means, you know, the movie probably doesn't do much for me. So, but I'm in a minority. And I think that's why. No. Yeah. But it's, it's completely. I think that's why I only gave it three stars. It's just because. I'm kind of with you. The story itself isn't that great, but I think the characters are what drew, or did it for me. I, I I know you didn't love him, but I I absolutely loved Richie. Like I was I was just like repeating some of his lines back to Bridget for like the rest of the week. Like oh, I'm sure she loved. That. Like I forget. <laughs> she was laughing. She loved him too. <laughs> but uh, at one point, the what was the big guy's name? I forget his character name. But anyway, the big yeah. dude. Um, he's like, this used to be a beaver trapping co- county or whatever. And then Richie goes, still is, right, boys? He has his hand in the air and everyone just looks at him like he's such a jackass. And I just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I thought it was so fucking funny just because the group knows that he's just an obnoxious asshole yeah. and they still love him anyway. Um, but 
And I think he was a lot more interesting than uh, Seth Green played that equivalent character in the miniseries. And uh, impressions were his game or whatever he says. And I just thought, eh, okay, you're not, you're just boring to me yeah. compared to. Uh, but at the same time, the, the old it was from, uh, it was a TV movie, right? Or a TV miniseries. So exactly. So, yeah. And so you have to edit it for television and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. So there's only so much. But one thing I definitely agree mm-hmm. with you. The bullies, I thought, were it was just so remarkably over the top. And that's why one of the main reasons I want to watch, want to read the book is to see like some of the things, like where does the bully kind of fall? Because the bullies are so different in the in the miniseries compared to the movie. And I want to see where do they actually fall? Is it somewhere in between or do they go ridiculous oh, no, like that? Oh, no, in the book. Um, there's a scene. In the book as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Big time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like I don't, I thought, uh, gosh, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but the girl, um, the the redhead, the the main, the yeah, the redhead in the in the group was she was fantastic. She had to go some difficult scenes there, especially with her father, which was just that creeped me out. Um, but I thought she did such an excellent job with her role. Uh, was very very impressed by that. Yeah, it's just you know, but yeah, so King has a you know incestuous relationship in his books like it's always a gross dad with with the girl and she's you know of course Mm -hmm. she's molested it's like i don't know it just there's always a a hiccup with king's characters you know she couldn't just be a normal weird girl she had to be a you know molested normally weird girl or you know what i mean yeah i don't know right eh. maybe i'm just i think i've outgrown the source material yeah maybe maybe and I've never read the book or anything, so and this was really my first kind of full experience with the world of it. And so, one, I didn't know what to expect, and I was probably more, I don't know, just accepting of it because it was my first time. And you've obviously have been there multiple times in the past, but I'm still rereading it. It just takes a long time to get through, and I've kind of lost my knack to yeah. read much, uh, for for now. Um, so I'm going to finish the book, mm-hmm. but it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a train wreck. It's I'm not really enjoying it that much. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it's definitely good that it is a hard R horror film that's been doing so well. Um, just as genre fans, we have to appreciate that because maybe that means we'll get more. But excellent. So, all right. So that is all the shit I watched. Um, I I'm actually I don't normally do this, but I am trying to complete a like 31 and 31 horror challenge for the month of October. Um, which, you know, is nothing for most people, but for me, that is, would be a significant amount. Um, and I'm not trying to do like one a day necessarily just because I know that won't happen, but I would like to finish 31 horror movies throughout the month of October. Um, we are on the third right now and I've watched six and so I'm, I'm making good progress. So I'm hoping I actually do it this year. So we'll see. I'll have to uh, update you as we go along this throughout this month. Excellent. All right, so that will wrap up my long-ass week in media this time around. So, let's move over to our review for the week. We are talking, of course, about 1961's The Pit and the Pendulum. So, as always, there will be spoilers for this review. So, if you've not seen the film and you care about these spoilers, make sure you hit pause, go watch the movie, come on back, and hit play. All right, so The Pit and the Pendulum had the original U.S. theatrical release date of August 12th, 1961. This was directed by Roger Corman, written by Richard Matheson, just like the last film, and based, of course, on the uh, short story, The Pit and the Pendulum, by Edgar Allan Poe. 
This has an IMDb score of 7.1 out of the 9,941 current votes. No Metacritic score, but an 83% tomato meter with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 74%. It had a $200,000 budget with a $2 million gross. And it clocks in at 80 minutes in length. All right. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, what is your history with The Pit and the Pendulum? Um, I don't have a history with this film. Oh, okay. I, I thought I did. Um, it felt familiar. Um, but, uh, yeah, watching it uh, twice uh, last week, um, maybe I saw other versions of the story before, but I never saw the Cor- the Corman uh, version. But it, it, it just it, – I guess it, it felt familiar just because – it was very similar yes. to House of Usher, um, at least in the feel for it. Um, but uh, yeah, watching it for the first time in a long time, which I thought, um, yeah, it. I don't think I'd ever seen it before. Yeah, me either. I, this is my uh, my first viewing of this as well. But I definitely understand what you're saying, and it feels similar to uh, House of Usher. And I feel like we'll probably be saying that next yeah, week as well, only- just given the title and the fact that, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. we'll see. But exactly. Excellent. Yeah. So this, I the opening I thought was quite interesting. It has this interesting use of these like, what they look like to me was like paint-like things, I don't know, like watercolors almost to start the film. And uh, I wrote down in my first thing that I hope it meant that like this was going to have a strong use of color as it goes forward. but. Ironically, looking back, the film is actually a lot more drab than The House of Usher with a little with little use of color throughout, unlike Usher, um, except in like the flashback sequences where they use like this tint on the film. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I thought, I don't mm-hmm. know, it was interesting for it to start that way when it doesn't really use that at all. Well, I guess if I remember what Corman said, um, he wants people to get... He wants to get people's attention right. when the film starts, so that's why he used that 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 yeah. paint scheme at the beginning, which really had nothing to do with the exactly. film whatsoever. It was just a way to maybe ooh and other crowd of look at all this color we're gonna have, look at all this flourish, which yeah, never really materialized. I... Um, and it's funny too because oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, just the fact that uh, as well, he used the same sets yeah. as House of Usher, right. just extended them. So if the film looks very familiar, uh, it's because it's mostly the yeah, same. Yeah, you know, I setting. listened uh, to about half the commentary as well, um, and I, I do remember him saying that. And I thought it was interesting that he mentioned, okay. you know, I wanted to get their attention, but it's like okay, but like shouldn't have something to do with the movie. I don't. Know, it just felt weird. Um, but yeah, talking about the sets, he's like, yeah, you know, he said each set basically gets better because they just build on what they've already had. And so they're just keeping what they have previously and building upon it. So actually each set will actually get, yeah. get larger, he said, and deeper, I think was a word. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. The opening credit music was a lot more ominous in uh, The Pit than it was in uh, House of Usher. Um, and I actually like that. I, it, it kind of set the tone um, to be a little darker than the pit and the pendulum would be, and I think that that's accurate. I think that's right. I'm trying to think if this film is darker. It just it just feels so similar to the his previous film. Um, it's right, almost yes. hard to, to sometimes differentiate what scene was in what, only by the color mm-hmm. of Vincent Price's hair this time. Um, <laughs> right. In the first one, you know, the family's tortured because, you know, this evil spirits of the house. In this one, it's more of a guilt trip. Mm-hmm. You know, at least that's how I saw it. 
So I think it yeah, could absolutely. be maybe a little yeah. darker just because everybody is, uh, or Nicholas Medina is upset at himself that, you know, his wife yeah. got killed under his watch. So he's just wrecked with guilt the right. whole I time. Exactly. I feel like these are more human problems, yeah. more human issues, more realistic issues that are more relatable. Yeah. Well, I it, mean, I didn't have a father who was a Spanish, you know, in the Spanish Inquisition, but I mean, you know what I mean, just in terms of guilt, I guess. Well, it's more nobody related. has a father in the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, um, but just like like in the first one, you know, it's a supernatural curse. In this one, it's 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 human. Mm-hmm. At least that's how, that's what I took from it. Yeah, exactly. No, I definitely I. Um, and I mean, just talking about these similarities, which you can't not, you know, yeah. just look at the start. The guy comes to the door. The servant says there's not admitting guests. He demands he be admitted. And then they go in. It's just like, wow. Yeah. It was shocking how similar this was. And then in the commentary, Corman says that it was almost deliberate. It was deliberately that way, but he doesn't really mention why. And I think the why would be the most interesting part of telling us about this. Yeah. The why would make more sense. And he sense. kind of leaves that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I was watching this movie over again, just this time, instead of it being in mm-hmm. a swampish area, it's at the cliffs of an ocean or a, a body of water. Yes. Apart from that, it's been, yeah. and I actually, it's been that different. Yeah, right. I liked the uh, I liked the establishing shots of the ocean waves sitting against the rocks. I thought that's a, that's a cool setting. Um, and it's very easy to do because even though you're using like the same set in the same location, mm-hmm. um, just having that different establishing shot makes it feel a little different. At least it did for me. Oh, sure. Um, so I liked that. Um, I liked character. I liked uh, Nicholas in this. I thought Vincent Price, right from his introduction, he was introduced as a stronger er- – he's introduced and he's already a stronger character here than he is in House of Usher. And I think it was likely due to his costume. <laughs> but even though his voice is still a bit soft in this film, I felt like he just, he looked stronger and he felt stronger at the beginning of this movie. I don't know if he looks stronger because he was pretty much a Freddy cat until he goes mad. Um, I thought maybe mm-hmm. uh, the Rodimus Usher, I think his name was, was a little of a stronger character. Um, what I liked about Nicholas, though, no, or what I yes. like about Vincent Price, is the way he emotes fear with his eyes. Mm-hmm. Seeing Price recoil in fear and terror brings me much joy. Yeah. You know, like right, Absolutely. he's a craftsman at this, and I I just love his facial expressions in this. You know, especially the part where no, I agree with yeah, he's you know, so good. Yeah, when you're hearing the harpsichord, and you know, mm-hmm. everybody starts popping up in the yeah. whole corner, and then like, who can it be? And he's like, it must be Elizabeth. Right. It's Elizabeth, you know? And j- just the way he acts, <laughs> like, it just, oh. To me, that's classic Price. And I love that. Yeah, it was It was very, uh, <laughs> it's exactly what I ex- what I expect when I think of, of him, even though I haven't spent a lot of time with him. Yes. Um, it's just, you know, that classic horror vibe that he, he emotes is just fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree. I liked uh, Francis in this, I, and I liked the fact that he was—he wasn't just taking Nicholas's word about his sister's death, and he insisted on staying to find out more. Like that made sense to me. It just seemed realistic, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he's told that uh, you know there's something in her blood, and that you know, and Nicholas thinks that's going to be enough, and it's—it's sh- it's not, and it shouldn't be. And I liked that about it. it made it just—it just made it feel more grounded in reality, which I enjoyed. Only like. Black Mark, I could say about uh, uh, the character Francis, is that John Kerr was playing him without an accent, 
And I thought I heard in the beginning that he was from England. And uh, I couldn't really tell that he was. You know, like he spoke proper. Yeah. He, but I, but just right. not, he just didn't sound British to me. No, that's interesting. And I think you're right. I do remember them talking about him being from England. And I did, for whatever reason, I didn't even connect that he didn't have an accent yeah. at all. And, and that, but that's really but my that's only good, good um, complaint about the character. Um, I thought Kirk did a great job yeah. as Francis Barnard. Um, I thought mm-hmm. I, I liked him better than the other character in uh, House of Usher trying to take Usher's uh, sister away. I thought Francis was more of a okay, yeah. get out the bottom of this and like I won't take no for an answer. But also, um, you know, right. he, he barges in the beginning, but then he kind of becomes part of the mm-hmm. of the group. Where they're all investigating what's going mm-hmm. on because even he's perplexed on like what is going on with my sister's body, where right. is she, what's all these odd things happening. Um, so I I kind of like the character more. Yeah, I I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, I thought they were both acted excellently by their respective sure. actors, but just the character itself, I think Francis was a stronger character, more interesting yeah, character. I agree. Um, and I love the way that so i i didn't know what i was watching you know i don't know this i didn't know the story very well and, and actually i did read the short story and i actually forgot to finish it i read like half of the short story and then i just it, that was like the last day i was at work before yeah. i went on vacation and then i just fucking forgot about it so i feel like an <laughs> asshole because i didn't finish it but the short story is actually like only the ending it's, of it's this li- movie and so matheson yeah, yeah he adds like the first two acts yeah, completely. To, but, the um, and so I didn't know what I was getting mm-hmm. into. See, yeah, I had again, to build from the ground up. So that right, the yes, third exactly. uh, act made sense in the film, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But Matheson is a really yeah. well-known uh, yeah. screenwriter slash uh, writer himself. So, writer. Uh, yeah, uh, I, well, I don't know the Poe story. So I couldn't tell that the first two acts was, was not Poe. That's how good it was. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, the way that Nicholas reacted to the, he, he was looking out his like window or whatever it was, or the, I don't know what it was. And the maid starts coming through and all we see is like her shadow. And the way that he reacted to that, I thought was fantastic. And it really, I thought for sure, like, I didn't know what was happening, but it told me that he was kind of expecting his like quote unquote dead wife to walk in because I wasn't, because I was thinking back to house of usher thinking, okay, this the wife's dead, but she's going to come back and haunt them. It's kind of what I thought. Where I thought this was going. Yeah. Um. And I think that's where they want us to think it's going. You know, like that's the that's what they're getting at. Basically, yeah. it, it, it's funny. I don't want to jump too much um, in in the film, but like he's searching for his wife, mm-hmm. but then when he gets to her, yeah. he recoils in fear and runs away, which I find kind of kind of interesting. You right. Know, like he wants to get to the bottom of this, but when he doesn't like the answer, yeah. he he flees in terror. Right, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because they, you know, she's supposed to be dead. You know, they've locked her in there and they open the, at that point, they've opened the casket and see her skeleton in there. And so, you know, the fact that, yeah, like you said, the fact, his reaction when he actually sees her, um, it makes sense to me. Um, and then it's, it's finally explained that she, you know, died of fright. The doctor is introduced to the show or to the, to the film. And, uh, he kind of spills the beans. It's not just something in her blood. It was, you know, the fact that she died of quote unquote fright. Um, and so that's when I really thought, okay, so there's ghosts walking the halls of this mansion. That would make sense. 
um, she saw something that scared her to yeah, death. I don't so, know about you, okay, but makes sense. I hated the doctor. Um, you know, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't hate the doctor, um, but I, it was probably about halfway through the film when I started thinking to myself that something is wrong okay. with the doctor. I just stopped trusting yeah. him for some reason. And I, I had, don't know that I can place why, but he just, his attitude, his demeanor, kind of the way the camera held on him for a second or two mm-hmm. longer than it needed to after a scene was done. It just made me think something's going yeah, on with the doctor, seem, which obviously that, you know. Yeah, is, he didn't seem he was on the up and up at all. Like, like something was, he was hiding mm-hmm. something. Yes, exactly. That's, I, I would definitely agree with you there. That's the, the feeling I got as well. But how did you like the, the flashbacks? Because there was actually two that happened like basically back yeah. to back. Did they work um, for you? Well, I, again, okay. it, it was like a. It was like a shot of color in the film, just because everything, like you mentioned, was kind of drab, mm-hmm. uh, minus the, the the few paintings we right. got. Um, I just don't see why it was done over a completely blue filter, but whatever, because it, it is a fragment <laughs> of his imagination, like he's retelling the story. Or, or was it him? Right. Or was it the? Or yeah. Was it the the chambermaid? It was, it was it him? Nicholas. Okay, the first one was Nicholas. Yeah, but was he retelling yeah. his own story? I'm trying to think, and. He was okay. Yeah, he uh, was. He was telling the story about when he was down in the pit or down in that torture chamber and and, uh, and, kill, and the torture his mom. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. The, the right. blue showed. You know, it's a flashback, but it's also like a, a corrupted flashback. Um, I think you know his mm-hmm. his pain he's feeling right now maybe influenced the the actual memory worse than it actually was. Um, so I. Yeah. I get that, you know, he's retelling a story. I just can't believe it's 100% fact. So, in a way, it being such an odd color right. yeah. kind of shows that it's 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 the past, but it might not be reality. Yeah, and I think that, that first one, it worked for me just because it was a quick way to get what happened kind of out of the way so we can focus okay. on what happens next. Um, but then we get this next – okay, maybe I'm mixing up my flashbacks – so maybe what was the? F- I think the second one was him telling the story, or no, the second one was when um, the sister tells basically the end of the story about how his father, the father, killed the uncle, right? But the father killed the uncle in the first one. Did- I, not according to the way my notes are written. I'm I so confused. I don't remember. Yes, there was two. There were two. There were two. Yeah, there was things. definitely two. But what the was hell? the first one? Only him. Being downstairs in a dungeon, hiding, and not see, and his folks don't know he's downstairs before they die. That's what I'm Maybe. thinking. I, I honestly, at this point, I yeah. looking at my notes. I I, I don't. I, yep, I I don't either. I guess whatever it doesn't matter. But the the point is, there was two back to back, and uh, they come very quickly together, and we don't really get other flashbacks throughout. I don't think right. So it's interesting to have those two. Right back to back, but I mean, it, you know, it works. And and the the second one, or whichever one, the fact that we find out that the father killed his uncle and his mother right in front of him as a ten year old. I mean, that was fucking terrible. Yeah, it made that whole flashback sequence worthwhile for me just because it was sh- pretty much it was shocking to me. You know, it, it, I didn't expect that at all. And then and so I like that. And what happened to his father? Did, did did they ever say like he killed the mom? He killed the, his brother. What happens next? Is yeah, you know, I don't know what happened to his father. Or, like, we, we really don't know. It just kind of ends there. And 
Why did he right. bring up the the kids until of his passing? Like I I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, that, that I didn't even think about that. But you're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So then we get the harps harpsichord playing. Um. And of course, Elizabeth is right. Elizabeth, um, is the only yes. person who knows how to play it. Um, and at that point, I just I really thought I had the movie figured out. I was like, okay, yep, this is you know her ghost, and she's gonna come back and haunt him. And I could just picture the end of House of Usher happening over and over again, you know. Yeah. Um, with her coming back. Um, but and and then we get another person that may have been. In, we find out that she may have been entombed prematurely. I was like, oh my God, this is so similar. And then the next film is titled Premature, Premature Burial. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. got to be one in that, right? Like, come on. So I think yeah. it's interesting. And, and Corman actually points out that a lot of Poe's writings are similar in that, you know, that this is a recurring theme throughout Poe's writings. We just happen to be watching them all back to back to back. And so, and you know, I, it is what it is. I'm assuming the returns on these Corman Poe films kind of probably are dwindled by the end because it's like I'm playing the right. same record over and over and over. Yeah. But it's a cash cow. <laughs> exactly. It's like the Saw movies, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But um I thought it was strange. So this and again as I'm as I'm taking these notes, I'm trying to figure it out because I just I don't know what's happening or what's going on. And so I'm kind of working through my thoughts through these notes as well. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting because they heard the dishes and the glass breaking or whatever it was, you know, in Elizabeth's room all the way downstairs. But Nicholas didn't hear it in the room two doors down. I thought that was very suspicious. And then seconds later, we find out that there's a secret passage leading from Nicholas's room to Elizabeth's room. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, that's that's what I was figuring. Like he's doing something it has to be something you know i'm sure there's more to it but this is too weird a situation for that not to have you know some impact on it you can expect um, a norman bates style issue where he actually dresses up as elizabeth right <laughs> yeah yes yes yeah. <laughs> that would have been fucking fantastic but yeah i mean something definitely similar to that yes <laughs> yeah it, it is weird um, that elizabeth would be using that tunnel when it links her bedroom to his so where is she right. hiding exactly? Like there's not there's no third compartment, you know. Like it's it's a tunnel from one end to another. How does she get into the tunnel if she's not in his room? Or it's yeah, Th- that was just a little confusing for me. It just didn't really make logically any sense. Yeah, it was it was definitely. I no, I, I hear what you're saying. It was, and so then finally we get to the point that I've been waiting for them to say. For basically the entirety of this movie, ever since they first went down to the stairs and saw the sister's nameplate on the on the wall, and I was asking myself, why in the hell did it take so long for them to decide to look in the tomb to see if she's actually fucking there or not? I was yeah. surprised that the brother didn't ask for that in the begin with. But then, minutes later, I realized, okay, that's probably why. So I didn't realize that it was actually like a... They take bricks and like board up a wall over the tomb where in the last movie, they just walked into the room and they opened the casket here. They had to literally break down a fucking wall. So I guess I could see why it wasn't suggested earlier that they check on it. So that made more sense. And, but. and the way too in the first film, they're in the US, right? And they're more like pilgrims-ish, right? But in, in, in this film, they're more like nobility. Yes. So okay, yeah, you're right. You're so you might right. have more money to be able to actually, you know, like brick up a wall and shit right. like that. Yeah, that could so be like different pay grades. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to have a few a little more luxury. 
Right. Yeah. I'm guessing, obviously. I really have no idea. Uh, but I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems justifiable that way. Definitely. Yeah. And it would make sense that it's more of a, there, that there's a more uh, elaborate tomb as opposed to the first one. Yeah. But because they said, have more money. It's what they do. Depending on any um, social statue that you're at, if you don't board up your corpses, you're going to get fruit flies. And I don't want that in my house. <laughs> fruit flies. So, I think that'd be the, the least of your worries. So I'd really have to know a mason uh, so we can really board up that body. <laughs> That's what you're going to start doing in your basement? Start boarding up uh, <laughs> dead. <laughs> oh, now you're going to. I can't. I don't have enough room for my movies if I did that. That's true. Very true. Very true. Oh man, I thought the uh, the skeleton was pretty damn creepy. I liked the I liked that effect a lot. Yeah. Um, and then again, I just thought it was incredibly fucked up that she wasn't dead when she was put in there. Like, I genuinely felt bad for Nicholas at that point. Like, oh, I just I could understand how that would be devastating. Yeah, he's not a bad guy at all. He's the victim in this movie. No. He really is. Right. And it wasn't until that point where it really hit me that he, in, in fact, is the victim. And so we're really playing the role of the brother because it's at that point where he realizes that he's wrong and that he is the, vi- you know, that Nicholas is the victim. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that's how I felt as well. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I totally understand that. It's like he's the one we should be feeling sorry for. He lost his wife. Um, and, uh, you know, but the things you expect it being one Vincent Price, a horror movie in Poe. That he killed his wife. You know, right. you're expecting the, oh, yeah, I yeah. poisoned her food. But no, he legit loved her. And it was, he was devastated when she died. Um, right. And that's why he's... You know, I think of like the one Poe that I'm kind of familiar with, you know, the Telltale Heart. Sure. Uh, which I'm, I'm only familiar with, I guess, the ideas of it. I think I've read it maybe a long, long time ago. So I can't tell you exactly what it's about. But I know I, uh, the idea of what it's about. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So then, like, I totally understand, um, as we go further along, how he reacts to his surroundings. Mm-hmm. And can't say I really right. feel bad for him. Can't say you feel bad for Oh, Nicholas? for Nicholas, after he goes through his little transformation and then does what he does, as we'll be getting to shortly. Yeah. Um, like, mm-hmm. I, to me, it's justified. I'd probably do the same thing. Right. You know, I, I take out my uh, no, yeah, exactly. and, uh, pendulum from Ikea that I bought. And uh, once I put that circuit together, <laughs> uh, you watch out, folks. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So and that's so obviously the reveal comes um, that, you know, we see her for the first time and it's the the beautiful uh, Barbara Steele. Right. Um, And um, she is like chasing him throughout. And then the fucking doctor comes and he's like, why didn't you wait one more day? And I was like, I knew it. That fucking doctor, that up to no good son of a bitch doctor had something to do Mm -hmm. with it. Yep. And then it just hits me. It's like, holy shit. What horrible people. Like, she couldn't just fucking leave. Now, I know it's a different time. But still, she couldn't just, like, run away with the doctor. They had to fake her death and then work together to literally drive him mad. And then proceed. And then after he goes, or well, after he's down, she then proceeds to mock him. And then he goes nuts. It's like, what a horrible person. What horrible people the the doctor and um, Elizabeth are. That blew my mind. I was like, whoa, swerve and holy shit, you're horrible. The only thing thing I think of to uh, have them go through that plan is that maybe the doctor is next Mm -hmm. in line for his fortune because he has nobody left. Because really, she could have left with the doctor. He's a doctor. He's probably still well Uh off. But 
if she's dead, right. he goes insane. Where does the money go to? Is it an auction? Or does it go to the doctor? Mm. Like, that'd be a reason for them to fake her death, to fuck him up, then be together. And that really isn't explored right. either. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm assuming it's for the, the family's fortune. Mm. I just don't know how. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I just think, man, like how easy it must have been to fake your own death back in that time. Just because there's not like, like no one's going to question. I mean, that's why like HH, you know, serial killers back then just have such massive body counts just because people like, you just have no way of knowing about much of anything back then. I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I just tangent. That's just yeah, no, I know what you mean way, though. It's like, are know. they going to catch me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I left a fingerprint. Right, exactly. <laughs> Good luck uh, matching that in your database. <laughs> you know? Right, absolutely. I'm a good yep. boy. I'm not going to get oh, man. fingered for murder. What are you talking about? You love being fingered, but not for murder. Not so. for murders. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> I thought this was like the quietest fight scene ever when uh, Nicholas started chasing the doctor after he went mad. <laughs> it was like silent. I'm like, what's happening? Like, add some sound effects. And like, there was some very few, but I was like, wow, this is almost silly how it's so quiet. But um, yeah, and like, the idea that Nicholas would go mad and start to think that, that – okay, so the idea that Nicholas would go mad, I understand. But the fact that he would just go mad and start to think that he was his father, that – I was having a little bit of a hard time buying into that 100%. Um, it just – I don't. it seemed weird to me. But I mean, I guess it – if you think about it more, it makes sense because, I mean, he was 10 years old when he saw that happen. Oh, like father, like son. He's traumatized. And yeah. this really leads to the, right. my favorite part of the film, where mm-hmm. Price just keeps yelling out Bartholomew over and over again. <laughs> I don't know yes. why. I love that name. <laughs> that is an awesome name. If I had a oh. ye old son, I want to call yes. him Bartholomew too. <laughs> oh, I hope your firstborn is named Bartholomew. And she's oh, a girl. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I've, I've said on the podcast, it's now set in stone. That's right. Amen to that. Let uh, let your fiance know. That's how it goes. Oh, man. So. Yeah, I'll send her a text. <laughs> That's how all communication is done, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who talks these days? It, right. Exactly. Um, I loved the images that Corman was able to produce with the scene at the end with like the brother tied up. Um, and just the pit in the pendulum area, like Mm -hmm. it was just hauntingly beautiful. Like they had these shadow figures on the wall, like, or hooded figures with the eyes, like, oh my God, that was so brilliant. Like I would love like a, yeah, I would love like a painting of that in my house. Like, it's just so fucking good. Um, and it's interesting because the last film had a, had a painting that, you know, either you or I, or both of us mentioned that we wouldn't, we would love to have. Um, and so yeah. does this, I feel like for me. And so, um, I don't know. I just thought that was awesome. Probably the most interesting parts about the film, um, from a technical standpoint, were at the end with that, those paintings, you know, the painting of the, on the wall, the mm-hmm. way that the set is designed there at the end with the pit and the pendulum and blah, blah, blah. Um, cause frankly, the rest of it is not very interesting. Um, no. In terms of the technical aspects, there was, you know, at least in House of Usher, they had this really cool camera shot that I got to talk about, you know, that that wasn't there. Like there was a moving camera at one point or a couple yeah. points, but 
nothing like it, nothing like it was with uh, that one particular shot in House of Usher, which I thought was very jarring and ineffective. But um, and then there's that final shot, which I thought was I just I loved it so much. The sister uh, walks up the stairs and says, no one will ever enter this room again. Then you cut to Elizabeth tied up and gagged inside the torture device where she will die an agonizingly slow and painful death because she's a terrible human being. Mm -hmm. Like, that was such a great shot. I love that moment. What a great way to finish. Yeah, I I love that final scene as well. Like, I feel, I can't feel sorry for her or the doctor. They got what was coming to them. I do still feel bad for Nicholas, though. I mean... He was forcefully driven, stark raving mad by two terrible, horny people. Yeah. And so I feel bad for him. Two terrible human beings. Um, yeah. We have to also admit the, the pendulum with Francis, mm-hmm. even though I know the pendulum is fake, when it's coming closer and it's slowly slicing <laughs> his shirt, my, yes. I, I can't help I mean, my breath a, a bit. I thought that was blood. pretty fucking cool. I definitely like that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's just wood in the rubber blade, but I thought it still looked authentic for the film mm-hmm. and for its time. Like it, it was really well yeah. done. Absolutely right. I love like as it's going through the shirt, it kind of gets a little bit of blood on it as it's going closer and closer. And it's just like, yeah, no, I did expect more creepy. of a belly cut, it. but at the, you know, at the same time, the yeah. film is from 61. Um, so it can right, be that right. gruesome. So I think blood in the shirt was gruesome enough for the time. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought it was still pretty cool to a point where I want to kind of want to rewatch that the full moon version of this film to see how gory it does get. See, and that's what I was thinking. I would love to see kind of the the newer versions of this. And I was thinking that when I was watching uh, the do- the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, yeah. I would love to see the new ones because I want to see how they do it compared to the original. Mm-hmm. And so I would definitely like to watch a remake of. So excellent. Do you have any other um, like interesting facts you wanted to mention from the, from what you listened for the commentary Uh, or anything else you learned? Not really. The commentary was kind of boring in this one. Um, I really have very few notes. That's why I only ended up watching half. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was a little dry. Um, I love that he called Barbara Steele. He's like, I worked with her recently. Obviously he talks about how she was so attractive. (laughs) I worked with her recently. She's still got that same bone structure. She's a very handsome woman. (laughs) Yes. Handsome woman. Yeah. I I love that. That too. (laughs) Like that just seems like such a backhanded compliment. He is such a sweet talker. Oh, yeah, I know. But she does have a it's unique look with her cheekbones. Like she's a she's a an alienesque yeah. beauty. Let's see. Right. She's not conventional, Definitely. which I like. But yeah, hmm. she's very handsome indeed. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for the Pit and the Pendulum? Um, I thought it was better than House of Usher. I liked Vincent Price more. Um, I like Barbara Steele. I thought John Kurt did an excellent job. Um, but they're very similar in structure. Uh, but I, I just found that Vincent Price had a funner role or meteor role in this one. Um, so I do like it more. I can't recall what I gave House of Usher in the previous episode. Um, but I would give this one. Um, you, I believe you give that one two and a half stars. Okay, perfect. Yeah, two and a half. I would give this one a three out of four stars. Um, I think it's long enough. Um, again, knowing that Matheson had to write the first, ooh, what, 45, 50 minutes of the movie, even more than that, almost 60 minutes mm-hmm. of the film. Um, it's it's really kudos because I find it blends in well with the final act. Um, I wouldn't have known that Poe's story was just the final act. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy this more than the first, even though it's it's 
a pretty darn close facsimile of the first film. Perfect. Yeah. So honestly, my thoughts were kind of uh, just a little bit the opposite, I guess I'd say. So um, The Pit and the Pendulum uh, ended up sharing, as we mentioned, a lot of similar characteristics with uh, House of Usher, um, you know, outside of just Vincent Price being the main actor in both. And I imagine that I'll likely be saying that same thing after finishing next week's film too. But I mean, that's not Corman's fault that we're watching these so closely together. So that's not a bad thing. Just something to point out. Um, even though the stories are similar, this one stands out as being more interesting to me. This idea that the supposed dead wife and friendly doctor are actually working together to fake a death and trying to drive someone mad so that they could run off together. That's a fascinating idea. And it's presented pretty well here. I, I genuinely wasn't sure if I was watching a supernatural horror flick or something else, and that kept me guessing, which I enjoyed. But that said, even though this idea is more interesting to me, I feel that the execution was better in House of Usher, and Pitt seems like it has less going for it technically as well. There was not a, a good use of color outside of the flashback scenes, and I don't even think that was really a good use of color, just a, a simply a use of color. Um... And because of that, it just made this film feel more drab and depressing than House of Usher. Though it, you know, that works thematically, it makes a le- it makes it a less interesting film to look at in this instance. Um, this is another slow movie like House of Usher, but Usher didn't feel as slow to me because there was just there seemed to be more to look at and interpret the way you wanted, and and Pitt seemed to be lacking a lot of that. The acting again. Uh, really well done. Um, and Price shows a different side of himself. And I, 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 like you, I think I liked him better with this role than his role in House of Usher. But overall, The Pit and the Pendulum was just a bit lacking from when House of Usher was able to provide for me. So I'm giving Pit and the Pendulum two out of four stars. Just for reference, I gave House of Usher three stars. So we kind of flipped mm-hmm. almost. Excellent. All right, so before we sign off for the day, let's uh, move over to round 36 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. So this, of course, is where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So as a reminder for this feature, each of us looks at the other's unwatched pile, be it their home video collection or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and picks one film the other hasn't seen yet and challenges them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they then give a quick review of that film. So just to recap... Mark, you were watching 1988's Miracle Mile, mm-hmm. and I was watching 2015's Gravy. So <laughs> That's right. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Gravy. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what is he laughing about? I'm confused. Like, did you watch the wrong movie? Like, what happened? <laughs> no, I just... Such a fucking stupid... Uh, Anyways, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. All right. So... Mark, tell us about Miracle Mile. Okay, Miracle Mile 1988. Um, it's directed by a Steve DeJarnat, who also did Cherry 2000, which I also own. Um, this Blu-ray was released by Kino Lorber. And before I get into the movie itself, I have to admit, I've been saying this a lot about all these Blu-ray companies, but Kino Lorber yeah. is taking the cake. Um, this film is cleaned up beautifully. There's a shit ton of special features, trailers. Um, there's two, this film has two audio commentaries on it. Um, now, yeah, I watched this movie 
before I left for Wasteland, I had some, I have, I'm out of sleeping pills and I'm, I, I just got a doctor in Ottawa, but I don't see him till the end of November. Oh, okay. So I've been dealing with some pretty <laughs> shitty insomnia. So I watched this movie. Oh at, man, that sucks. Yeah. So I watched at two in the morning. I think on the Friday before I had to drive nine hours to Wasteland. (laughs) So I wasn't really in the best mood and I wasn't expecting much. Holy fuck. Is this movie awesome? It's oh good. Yeah. It's an eighties film that I don't know anything about. It's a underrated hidden gem. So story goes, um, the main character, and that's Anthony Edwards, he plays a uh, sort of jazz, jazz musician. Um, I wouldn't say he's a bit of a loser. He, he just he's he's an odd duck. Okay, he meets uh, Julie Peters, mm-hmm. played by Mar Wingham, um, at a museum. They go on a date. They instantly fall in love with each other, and uh, she works as a uh, waitress in a diner. Works till midnight. He's staying at a hotel. Funny enough, he smokes a cigarette on the balcony, throws his half-lit cigarette into a bird's nest. That catches fire, explodes the transformer in the hotel. Hotel loses power. He sleeps through his alarm because it's it's unpowered, and uh, he gets to the to the uh, <laughs> diner which he was supposed to meet her at three hours late. So now he's pretty pissed off at himself because he missed her, and you know he's his he's her soulmate. Blah blah blah. Payphone rings. Guy near the end says. The world's about to, to, pretty much the USSR and the US are entering a nuclear war. Missiles are launching. You have 70 minutes. Of course, it's the wrong number. Uh, but Harry uh, <laughs> thinks it's, it's true. Of course, in the diner, there's um, Denise Crosby, who plays a businesswoman with a laptop computer. That's pretty much a briefcase. It looks almost like the nuclear football. Um, but she's just a stockbroker and used to date someone that was in the army. So when uh, Harry uh, says a few specific keywords to her, she believes him. So now mm-hmm. it's a big panic to hit the airport, to fly to an island, to survive this nuclear holocaust. But you have to pick up Julie. It doesn't work out very well. So it becomes a story of a race for time to find Julie and get her to safety before the bombs explode. If they do explode, maybe it's a prank. We don't know. Um, It's fucking great. Now, I will tell you this. I saw the trailer after I watched the movie. Don't watch the trailer. It ruins ruins the movie. To me, this was a complete surprise. I knew nothing of it. Um, You watch the film. You will see parts of the end, which will ruin the, is this really happening? Is this not happening scenario? So, um, don't watch the trailer. Watch it after. Watch this movie. It is that good. It's got some great actors in it. Kurt Fuller's in it. Um, again, Denise Crosby. Um, you've got uh, Mikkel T. Williamson, who plays you know, Bubba Gump in Forrest Gump. Or, yeah, he plays Bubba in Forrest Gump. Um, a lot of character actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck, it's great. Uh, I can't... I think I can't thank myself enough for buying this blindly because it is fucking awesome. <laughs> and thank you for having this as my pick this week. Um, oh, I'm I glad you liked it. I, I really it. want to get this one and see it. Yeah, too. I fucking loved it. Um, star rating. It's not a perfect film, but I'll give it a three and a half out of four. Awesome, good. That makes me really that happy. That good. Yes. Very cool. 
Excellent. So yes. How is gravy? So, you know, I bought gravy on Blu-ray directly from Scream Factory last year. I believe it was during like the Valentine's Day sale that they had going on last year. Um, I spent, mm-hmm. I, if I remember right, a whopping $5 on this brand new Blu-ray. Um, and I was still on my like collect everything Scream Factory kick that I uh, started getting into a little bit before that. So I knew virtually nothing about this other than what you could see on the cover, you know, which was the fact that Sarah, Silver, Sarah Silverman's name was on there. Uh, there's a clown and it's supposed to be a horror comedy. And it wasn't until after I bought it that I started hearing all of the like negative reviews about the movie. I was seeing all these, these poor reviews, negative things about it. And so after I bought it, it just ended up sitting there. And I figured I probably wouldn't watch it, if ever, anytime soon, if not ever. Um, but is Gravy deserving of all the negativity surrounding it? I absolutely don't think so, because I enjoyed Gravy a ton. So, Really? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, so, Gravy, it starts out at closing time at this like Mexican restaurant slash bar and our employees are our main cast of characters, including the restaurant's owner. So they're all staying a little late because they're celebrating the last day of one of the bartenders um, who is a, either she's like about to start medical school, just finished nursing school, going to nurse something along those lines. They're celebrating her, whatever it is. Um, well, before they can leave, the doors are welded shut from the inside and before they know it, they're locked in with a group of uh, a trio of cannibalistic psychopaths. Fortunately for us, Ooh. these uh, yeah, these psychopaths are friggin' hilarious. At least I thought so anyway. So the best part about Gravy for me was the characters. Virtually all of these characters, including the socio, the psychopaths, are ones that I enjoyed spending time with. Um, I loved that the girl from Paranormal Activity Two, uh, Molly Ephraim is in this one. I couldn't place her the entire film, but I knew her voice. And I, f- I fucking knew I knew her. I'm like, how do I know her? How do I know her? And it wasn't until after when I looked it up that I realized, oh my God, it was the girl from Paranormal Activity 2. I love her in, in PA2, and I really loved her here too. I think she's just a really good actress. And she plays a significantly different character than her role in Paranormal Activity 2. But I think she does a really good job with it. Um, really, I, I, there's not a bad character here in the majority of the cast, even two of the three psychopaths have endearing personality traits that help you latch onto them as, as fully realized characters. And I really appreciated that. I laughed a ton during this movie, but I understand that comedy is incredibly subjective. So basically if you watch the first 10 minutes or so with the opening bit with Sarah Silverman's character, and you find that at least mildly entertaining, I'd recommend sticking with it because it gets much better from there, but it's in that same vein throughout the whole thing. And so that said, if you watch that part and you hate it, then just turn the movie off. Don't waste your time. Watch something else because I really doubt you're going to like it. Um, just because I feel like the rest of the film has, you know, is, is in the same vein, that same comedic style that that opening bit is. But... um I was one of the ones that happened to like it a hell of a lot and just thought it was really, really fucking funny. And the gore was fantastically done. The only negative bits I can really um, 
point out were a couple characters that are introduced later. Um, and they just felt like the writer was trying much too hard to be funny. And that didn't work for me at all. And that just kind of killed the momentum going toward the end. But, you know, other than that, I found a lot to like with Gravy. So if you generally like stupid humor with your extremely gory films, I definitely say give Gravy a shot. Um, I'm, I gave, ended up giving Gravy three out of four stars. I enjoyed the hell of it. I thought it was a lot of fun. So maybe That's you awesome. will too. Yeah, yeah, maybe it will. I was, yeah, I'm glad you uh, picked it up for me because honestly, I probably never would have watched it because I've heard so many negative things about it. I probably would have just <laughs> skipped it, but I, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we're both happy with our picks this week. Let's see if we can do it again next week. Okay. So, um, I have two films here and I think I'm going to go with this one. I'm assuming you haven't seen it, but we're going to find out. So this is actually a movie that I reviewed recently because I picked up the Blu-ray from my last horror convention, just like you recently did. So I, if you have not seen it, I am going to have you watch 1977's Kathy's Curse. Oh, I just picked it up this weekend. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. So specifically, now I, I would behoove you if you have the time, which you may not, if you can watch both cuts, do it. But please do okay. me a favor. Watch the U.S. cut before you watch the director's cut. Okay. It's a shorter movie, but I want to hear your take on it. And and like I said, please watch them both if you have the time, but, but do me the favor and watch the U.S. cut first because I want to see your reaction to it first. See if it's any different from mine. Not a problem. So I'm going to have you do 1977's Kathy Skirt, specifically the U.S. cut, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect. So... What well, am I going to watch for next week? I'm scrolling down your list, and I'm kind of shocked you've never seen this one. Okay, um, yeah, I'm I, sure there's a bunch like that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Misery. Oh, Stephen okay, this is perfect. Misery. I'm on a fucking Stephen King kick, man. Yeah, um, I won't talk about it now, but I, I'm curious to see what you think about it. Now, I do believe that Scream Factory has um, a blue um special edition coming out for this. Um yes, I only have do. like an MGM DVD of the film, so I'm probably gonna upgrade when it comes out when there is a sale, which I believe I think there's a um I think there's a Scream Factory sale happening starting October 6th. I think it's like a Yeah I was reading October. something about that. Yes, yeah, so you're right. Yep. Even though I just spent a few bucks, I probably want to spend a few more just because it's on sale. Um so I don't know yeah. if that misery uh film will be available or not yet i don't think so i think it's only out next year i don't year. think so either yeah but uh, that'd be one to get once uh once it does come out because the film is pr- i think it's pretty good i'll see what you think and it's fascinating because <laughs> the, i honestly didn't think i've owned i owned that movie and so i've been trying to find like a cheap version of it recently Okay. And so now I'm trying to pull up my my like software where I keep my DVD profile is what I use. And I'm trying to see where it is because I want to find it because like I'm really excited to now realize that I own this because for some reason I didn't think I did. So good. I'm glad you've well, pointed this out to me and uh, <laughs> and I uh, have it here somewhere. I'm sure I do. If it's in there, I'm sure I have it. It's just a matter of uh, getting it. So hell yes, I'm excited. I've watched uh, four Stephen King related or no, three. This will be number four. So hell yes. Good call. Good call. So, just to recap. Yeah, exactly. To recap, I'll be watching Misery from 1990 for next week, and Mark will be watching the U.S. cut of 1977's Kathy's Curse. Fantastic. Should be a fun week. So, that'll wrap things up for this week. 
So remember that we are now back to our regular weekly releases, which means episode 107 is going to release next Friday, October 13th, which is just fucking fantastic that we have a Friday the 13th in October. So yeah. if you want to, yeah, if you want to take a break from your marathoning through the Friday the 13th series, you can give us a listen. If not, that's what Saturday the 14th is for after you watch that parody <laughs> film, of course, which actually, Mark, have you ever seen Saturday the 14th? You know what? I feel I have, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I know it's a spoof. Um, yeah. I, I honestly can't remember the time I've ever seen it, but I'm sure I've seen scenes of it before. So possibly, maybe, but I might be mixing that with student bodies and National Lampoon's um, uh, graduates. I don't know. Yes yeah. and no. It's possible. I, I, I couldn't give you a definite answer. Okay. Yeah, I'm really interested because I, I definitely have not, but I've heard, I, I've only heard about it maybe three or four years ago. Um, and so I'm definitely interested in checking it out, but uh, maybe that's what this Saturday the 14th will hold for me. Maybe I'll finally track a copy of it down, but we'll, Ooh, um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, next week, we are going to be reviewing The Premature Burial from 1962. So definitely track that one down before listening to that episode if you don't have it already. Out of curiosity, Mark, do you know, is that on one of the Vincent Price collections? It's not. I actually just got in the mail yesterday for review. So I had to buy it uh, by itself. Good. Good to know. I'll have to track it down then too. Yeah. Fantastic. So... As always, if you have any questions for the for us here at the podcast, please hit us up using the hashtag InFilmWeTrust for all the questions you have for us here on the show, and we'll do our best to answer everything uh, once we get them. So again, use that hashtag on Twitter, InFilmWeTrust, and if for some reason you're not on Twitter, just give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com for any uh, questions that you might have for us. And if you like what we're hearing, or like what you're hearing, rather, like what we're doing, please leave us that review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it might be that you're listening to us. And like we mentioned at the start of the show, please tell a friend, let us let people know that we exist so that we can pick up new listeners and continue to grow, which is always the goal. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love interacting with you guys there. You can find us at Cineficians on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure you're following us on all three of those platforms. And we are also on YouTube. So basically, if there's a social media platform that's worth following, you can find us there. Um, so Mark, also remind our listeners, well, so we can find you online. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mark, M-A-R-C underscore Nadeau, N-A-D-A-U. And on Instagram at mnado 0 Excellent. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. All right. Thanks for joining me again tonight, Mark. It was a ton of fun to talk about Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah, it was my pleasure as always. Excellent. All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening to episode 106 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 